father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Uh, this is episode 268 with Coach Ka- Coach Kyle Deemer. Currently, uh, he's assistant coach at Queen Creek High School. And that's after taking a year off uh, from last year. And he's also he also, from his past experience, has been head coach at Coolidge High School in Coolidge, Arizona for two years. He was head coach at Notre Dame Prep. Uh, finished second all-time in wins, uh, and that's located in Scottsdale, Arizona. He was the head coach for five years. Uh, currently, as I said before, he's a basketball coach at Queen Creek High School. He's owner of 94 Feet. He's content creator, customer success at Lucille Sports, and his Twitter account is at Coach Dimes. Uh, today, uh, he's going to be talking about his five-out offensive concepts. Uh, he does a brilliant job at Lucille Sports uh, of really diagramming a lot of great five-out options. And uh, I'm here to learn and here to study uh, a person who's really kind of uh, really teaching a lot of us coaches on how to run a better five-out offense. So I think you're going to really enjoy this podcast. Let's welcome Coach Kyle Deemer. Coaches, welcome to Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado again, episode 268. Um, so we have quite a few podcasts here, Kyle. So congratulations being number 268, man. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. We got Coach Kyle Deemer on here. He's the uh, assistant boys coach at Queens Creek, Creek High School in Queens Creek, Arizona. So I love, I love these uh, Arizona and California guys, man. There's some great <laughs> basketball out there. Uh, but not only that, he's going to talk about um, his website, 94 Feet. And uh, also, he's, he's been coaching a long time. So this is kind of his second year, I think, Kyle, you're talking about being an assistant coach. Um, but he's been coaching a lot of uh, quite a few years at Coolidge High School in Arizona and also Notre Dame Prep. So this guy's been around. He's a great mind of the game. Today, we're going to talk about the five-out offense and some of his concepts that he really believes in. Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Very appreciative. Hey, Kyle. Okay, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, not only yourself and your career, uh, but kind of, you know, why you coach, you know, why you got into coaching and so forth. So we're looking forward to learning uh, and uh, kind of studying you a little bit. Sure. So it's kind of weird, like most kids when you're younger, you know, you, you dream about playing the NBA and dream about playing different sports or what have you. And I, I don't know, at a younger age, I just feel like I always wanted to coach. I don't know why it was. Um, but I just felt like I always wanted to coach and enjoyed the leadership piece of those things. Um, and then when I got to high school, um, it kind of validated everything that I felt. So I played for, for, uh, a great, great coach who's in the NBA now. And, um, I just, I don't know, he validated what I wanted to do. Just knowing the impact that he made on me as a young man, I knew I wanted to return that favor for the next generation. Um, and so right out of high school, I got right into coaching, um, started coaching for my high school's, uh, feeder program. Nice. And then worked at the high school level while I was going to school full time and all that great stuff. And then um, uh, when I was 24, I was fortunate to get a head job out in Coolidge, Arizona. And that was kind of a wrap. Like at 24, I was hooked. Like this is my, I'm probably way too young to get a head job, but I was very fortunate that I did. And um, I was driving an hour 15 each way, you know, um, to and from. And it was, it was awesome. You know, we had, we didn't have a whole lot there. So I don't know if I was the only guy that applied or what, but it was, it was, a, it was an awesome journey, an awesome experience. Um, that kind of got things going, you know, from there, I just, this knew it's what I wanted to do. Just seeing the, the, the impact I can make in, in young, young kids' lives, you know, every single day and just seeing that they rely on you and you're able to help them through things, whether it's life, basketball, you know, personally, professionally, it was just awesome. Um, and so I was there for a couple of years and then my wife was pregnant and then we had our daughter and, um, you know, driving an hour 15 each way with a newborn wasn't ideal. <laughs> so 
Um, luckily, I was able to get the the head job at Notre Dame Prep, which is a little close, little closer to home. Um, and I was there for five years, and then uh, then COVID hit, and we moved out to the East Valley, and kind of took a year off from COVID, and then um, and now I am an assistant at Queen Creek High School. Um, but what I wanted to mention to you was we kind of talked about it before the show started was that COVID year I took off was tremendous for my growth. You kind of mentioned coach taking a year off to grow, mm-hmm. um, not having to worry about, you know, scheduling and practices and games and scouting all stuff like to spend a full year just on my craft was, was phenomenal. The growth I made as a coach was, was tenfold. Um, I know it's hard to not coach for a year, but you know, obviously I didn't have a choice because of COVID, but it was, it was phenomenal that I was able to um, use that time. So if anyone wants to think about taking a year off to do it, I highly suggest it. Um, because it was it was phenomenal experience for me almost de-stress a little bit man because people don't realize I, there's a lot of pressure on coaching on families and relationships and so forth it's a lot of time spent um and i think i i, I strongly recommend for coaches on that I, but the problem is i don't know how many school districts are willing to um uh accept that because you know they want people who have the immediate experience and so forth but i i strongly yeah. recommend that that coaches take a little time, particularly in the summer, but, but Kyle, there's no time to take off, right? I mean, it's camps, it's, it's uh, feeder leagues, it's all that. So kind of continue all with that. How do you maintain a balance in your life and what's your plans for when you do get another head coaching job? Yeah. I mean, it's tough. You know, when I was at Coolidge, cause it was so far away, like on away games, I wouldn't come home. You know, I'd stay the night at my AD's house and I'd see my wife the next day or whatever it was. Right. So it was tough. And then even at Notre Dame, even though it was closer to home, you know how it is, right? You're before school workouts and you teach and then you after school and then you go scout or film and it just, it never yeah. ends. Right. Um, and so that, that life family balance is extremely tough. You know what I mean? And, and you see a lot of, a lot of husbands and fathers out there who really struggle with their family life, you know, and that, you know, I can't say I was perfect either. Um, and now being able to take a step back, taking a year off and now being an assistant coach and being able to just go home after practice is really nice. But, you know, exactly. knowing I'm going to be a head coach again one day, you know, just thinking about prioritizing family. You know, my head coach has a really great job. His daughter is in high school. She was a volleyball player um, for the high school. And like they made the state playoffs and all those other great things. He's like, you know what? Like you got practice today, coach. I'm out. I'm going to go watch my daughter play in the state playoffs. Like, I think that's important. You know, we hire assistant coaches for a reason. We hire them because we trust them. And to do a job. And I did not do a good job delegating enough when I was a head coach. Um, something that would definitely change going further because that's a great opportunity for my head coach to go watch his daughter play in a playoff game, which is great for his family. It's great for me as assistant coach to go fill that role and be a head coach in practice. Um, so I really think it's prioritizing your family and, and allowing your assistant coaches to coach. You know, you hired them, you believe in them. So let them do a job and you kind of get to see your family too. That's a great point. Talk about your mentors, people that um, or just, you know, co- maybe coaches you, you never met, who would you learn the game from? And give us a little bit idea of your style of play and how you like, you know, how you love to coach. Sure. So I, I, my, my mentor, my circle that I kind of bounce ideas off of, I, I kind of have a, a wide variety. It's a small circle with a wide variety. So, you know, everything I learned from was from Nate Rourke and who I played for at Cactus Shadows. He was the head coach for the Pacers last year. He's back in Toronto now, but just my style of play is like, I love what Nate did and I love how he plays the game and coaches the game and teaches the game. And I truly try to mirror myself um, from what he did, what I learned from him. Um, and, and again, back to coaching, right? Like he's an NBA now. I played for him in high school, but we've been close ever since. He's, he's helped me throughout my journey of coaching because it's about, you know, relationships and people and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so where I get my, you know, X's nose from would kind of be from his style and his style of play. Um, Cody Topper's another big one. I use him. We bounce ideas back and forth a lot. He's very innovative. Um, he's always trying to be ahead of the curve and, and as am I, and I love trying to send ideas to Cody. He'll send, he'll send ideas back to me. So I'm looking to do something crazy. I always go to Cody first because he's either already tried it or he's been, he's been thinking about it. Um, and then another one is uh, Greg Davis. He's actually a football coach. Um, the reason he's in my kind of mentor of coaches is one that, you know, he's just an incredible character guy and, and team building guy. So I think that's just as important as the X's and O's and, and it's a relationship stuff. So he's, he's the best I've ever seen when it comes to relationships. So even though he coaches football, he's been a, a mentor of mine since I first got into coaching when I was 20 years old. Um, he was my, my student teacher advisor, whatever you want to talk about as a student teaching. And, and I was a student of his in high school and 
um, it doesn't matter if the sport coaching is coaching. So he's, he's someone I, I hold close to me when it comes to that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap in sports. You can learn from any. I don't think we do enough of that within our own schools. Um, I know here, like uh, I'm at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. Um, we have a great wrestling program here that's been consistent over the years. And every day you go through that, it's like, man, these guys are workers, man. They're working all the time. <laughs> you know, you can tell they got a really good program. It's not something by accident. So I'm constantly trying to learn isn't do we think we do enough of that Kyle about the studying the great teachers and coaches within our own schools I don't think we do right you talked about how much how much time we don't already have especially if you're a teacher on campus you already have after school meetings and everything else on top of coaching you just honestly don't have enough hours in the day to spend that time with those other coaches and it's sad I wish you know we do it as teachers right we have our PLC groups and different you know content groups you know we do as teachers all the time but to be able to do that as a coach on campus, I think would be tremendous just for, I don't know how you are out there, but a lot of, a lot of schools share athletes. So it helps build that relationship because we're sharing athletes and we just learn from each other, but we just don't get a chance to do that because there's just not enough hours in the day. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and there's probably some ego involved in that too, as well. <laughs> I think it's mostly time though. I think it's mostly time. Right. Um, coach talk about Lucio and I, uh, I just recently became a member and so forth. Talk about, and you're, um, you got a big role in that company. That's kind of the new innovative software now that's available to coaches. I don't think a lot of coaches are aware of that. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm biased, right. But I, I'm a true, true big believer in Lucio and what it provides for our, for our players. I mean, in reality, it's just, it's a, it's a teaching tool for coaches. So we use it pretty much in every aspect of our program. You know, we watch film with it. We have our playbook in there. We have our scout reports. We have you know, anything and everything possible. You know, we use it during timeouts. I haven't used a whiteboard in, in three years. Um, I think it's, it's just, it's so important for our kids. One, I think for visual learners. Um, two, I think our kids are so used to learning on a screen as it is, excuse me, it's just second nature to them. And they kind of are able to understand and whatever, learn it easier. And it hits all the learning modalities, right? So you can visually see something, you can watch a video of something, you can hear something, you can look at something static, like it, it's the combination of all, all the different priorities. And as, as a learner, as a player, I can pick what I feel is best and continue to just kind of learn from those different ways. Yeah, can you give us a little tutorial on that? Um, and uh, we would love to learn. Of course, I, I'm, I'm in the process now of learning how to use it because uh, we do a lot of video. Uh, I use Fast Model and so forth. Uh, but I really want to learn uh, some of the basics of it. Sure. Um, one second here. I'll kind of take you through what it's like to go into a timeout with us. Love it. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a team effort too, because you got some cool features on here where you can um, utilize your, your um, players in there. So instead of having a one through five, you can have, you know, you can have uh, your players initials in there. So typically what we'll do, we'll have an assistant on the bench um, and They'll make sure that the roster is always updated with the players. So when we get into the huddle, um, the players are where they need to be. So in fact, I guess I'm an assistant right now. So our coach trusts me a lot with our offense. And so I'll make sure I've got guys in the right spots for what we want to run at a timeout. But so say we go into a timeout. Imagine we had our, had our players in there. You can see a hat, we have our roster right there. So if I wanted to, you could put our initials in there real fast. Um, which is, which is kind of nice. So, you can see we have an animation, we have video clips. Um, I can put the play from side to side, right? So we can run it to either side of the floor without having to redraw, worry about anything. And like you do at the high school level, it's tough, right? Because we get, you know, 30 seconds and really it's 15, the first horn goes off and the ref's in our, in our ear and all that other garbage. But um, it's nice that it's already done. And the biggest thing is the timing of it. So if we're, we're going through a play here, I can hit play and our kids can see when do I screen? When do I cut? When do I come back? When do I pass the basketball? Um, it allows our guys to see the play, you know, two to three, four times in a single timeout. You know, it's clean. Um, they can follow along. If I want to talk about something over the top or draw a wrinkle in there, I can always pause it. Like, say we come down to the pin down right here. If I say if they're trying to switch this, we can just back cut instead. You pop back out. We can pass and then chase over the top. So sure. simple wrinkle out of a timeout, but nothing's changed, right? And they still get to see exactly what we're talking about. Um, sometimes guys like to see the actual video of it where um, – they can watch this, kind of see the timing of like a live play go through it. So they can kind of go through and see exactly what that looks like. 
Um, and it just gives, again, it gives them a different option to kind of be a, a learner in that teaching environment. And in reality, what I feel like it's made us as coaches is teachers in the timeout instead of like just frantic, crazy, drawing over the place. And it's not a very good learning environment. I feel it's made us great teachers and it's increased our learning um, within timeouts, you know, by a lot. So for example, in fall league and summer league, we'd put in some crazy ATOs just to see like, you've never seen this before. It's complex. We go to three different sides, multiple actions. Can you guys run that out of timeout? And nine times out of 10, they did a pretty darn good job of executing that out of timeout. And we credit it to being to Lucio, being able to see it multiple times, being able to see the timing, being able to coach our way through it with our guys. So if you're in one of our timeouts, here's kind of what we look at. You know, we, we match up our, our, our game card or play card to, to match. So it's easy to find. And then we go through exactly what we want to go through. And if any time, you know, we decide we want there's a blank court, you always have that option as well. Um, it gives you a blank whiteboard. You can use pucks if you want or just free draw on top, you know, but um, another thing that's kind of cool too is we'll do, um, you see, we want to do like a wrinkle out of a situation here. You can hide the lines and we'll hide the lines and then just free draw on top. So then we can draw our own little play, but we have nice little like pieces to start with as well. So it gives you as a coach freedom to, to kind of handle the timeout any single way that you want to want to handle it. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's really innovative. I'm not sure. Do you, you have any stats on how many high school coaches are using Lucille on the sideline? Uh, I don't have any usage stats, but I'll tell you that our ATO percentage uh, jumped uh, three times from when we didn't use it to when we did use it. Yeah, what a great visual, though. Um, and I know I'm a mess on the chalkboard. Uh, I'm doing, Dude, my I, kids say I'm terrible at drawing. <laughs> I mean, of course, I'm not going to tell you how many chalk uh, diagram boards I've broken. But, <laughs> um, you know, and I'm not even sure if the kids really visually see what you're really drawing. I think there's a lot of issues with that. I love this. I actually love the videos. And I think, but of course, your kids already have this in their playbook, correct? Correct. It's on their phone. So they can look at it anytime. Um, you know, they can go watch. And I, I have full control. You see some of these players have like X's through it. That means they, the players can't see that. We haven't unlocked that for them yet. So you have yeah. full control over what they see, what they don't see. Um, there's memory games built into there. So you can they can play little, little games and quiz themselves. Um, they can walk themselves through each play at their specific position. I mean, it's really, really a great tool for learning for our, for our kids. And, and sometimes what we'll do is, you know, I'll be watching. In fact, we save a lot of time. We'll do some pre-teaching stuff where um, I'll break down practice and then <clears throat> I'll hit a simple button up top and it puts my camera on the screen and records my video and audio um, and it uploads that video right to the app. So say I'll break down practice clips, throw it in there, hit the record button and I'll break down practice. Um, and then it's in the app and I'll tell the kids, hey, you know, go watch this before practice and they can go watch a 10 minute video breakdown you know, of practice from yesterday. And so when we come into practice, we're not having to spend that 10 minutes in the film room together. We've already spent that time watching it on our own. And we can just answer questions that I just more if we need to. Uh, but that's a huge time saver for us when we don't want to spend the 20 minutes. Maybe we're living in a gym space because it's a volleyball game or wrestling or whatever. We just don't have the time dedicated to, to sit in the film room because we have limited gym time. We'll just pre-record the videos and the kids can go watch on their phone at lunch or whatever. And then they walk into the gym ready to go. Kyle, um, Really quick before we go into the five out is uh, uh, the basics of just using it on my desktop. Uh, how do I get started? So uh, we have a pretty good knowledge base where if you go to our website, uh, LucioSports.com, you can go to the, the how-to stuff. And we've done a pretty good job of building out kind of like a getting started. And that's where I would start. And it just kind of teaches you, you know, how to draw, how to upload a video, how to kind of organize your playbook, you know, what the different hierarchy is, you know, how to you know, from a chapter to a play and where certain things live. It, it does a really good job of kind of walking you through those first beginning steps. Mm -hmm. um, so I would start there. Um, and then if not, then I would just reach out to our support team, which is which is pretty spot on to help out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Coach, let's get right into uh, your five out. I know you're a big believer in the five out. Um, and I want you to, first, first of all, the question is why? Um, is it more five out than four out? I know we run, because we're almost all guards, so we run a sequence uh, we call curl. It's very similar to almost like what Villanova uh, women's team has run. We pass screen away. We, we curl, we curl cut, and then we pop out um, simply because most girls teams that we face don't cover cutters very good. And we mm -hmm. have girls that can put it on the floor. Um, tell, tell us why you do it. 
I'm a big believer in five out just because I think it, you know, it gives our players freedom uh, to make plays, but at the same time, it gives us coaches a, a structure to give them that freedom. So what I mean by that is we're not running the flex or the swing or the continuity offense where it's a pattern. It's the same thing every single time. Uh, basketball is a, it's a beautiful game. And there's multiple ways to play it, and you're going to be defended differently every single night. So we feel this is, gives our players the best advantage to take advantage of no matter what the defense throws at us because we're prepared for everything. Um, I think it's harder to scout because we're just playing basketball. We're making reads. We're not, you're not, you can't watch us on film like, oh, they're going to pass the wing. They're going to set a ball screen. They're going to pin down on the weak side. You know, every single time. It's different every time down the floor based upon what the defense gives us. Um, I'm also a big believer that it creates better players. You know, we're constantly getting live reps, whether it's in practice or in games, and because we're teaching our players concepts versus a, uh, a designated movement, uh, it allows our guys to make better decisions by February as compared to November. And come February, we're a really, really tough team to guard because, you know, we're prepared for everything. We're just playing basketball. We're just, we're just reading the defense and making counters. And just kind of just just hooping, um, and it just it prepares you for everything. But like it doesn't matter what the defense does; we've seen it, we know how to adjust to it, and we just run our system based upon what the defense gives us. We always feel we always feel we're one step ahead by playing conceptually versus in a in a pattern or a constant set call um, down the floor. Yeah, and and I, I definitely understand that because I, I I've been a pattern coach for a long time, um, but I'm finding out that. Uh, players learn how to play within a five out or a four, a four out with some simple concepts. I guess I'm getting more simple as I get older, I guess, but I do still like to run a lot of set plays. Kind of give us, um, kind of give us some basic concepts and rules of your five out offense. Sure. So some things you really want to emphasize and I don't have it on here, <clears throat> excuse me, but is always being a threat to score, right? I think that's, that's a huge, huge advantage. Always being a threat to score. If you watch, um, you know, a lot of NBA teams, there's always so many long closeouts because everybody's a threat to score once they catch the basketball. Um, and so one thing we kind of do to help with that <clears throat> is we'll put our guys under a clock. I did in practice the other day. Uh-huh. You know, we're working on this, some, this four on four, working on our blender stuff and trying to teach the guys to be aggressive and attacking closeouts. And we're just taking forever. I'm like, okay, give them 12 seconds to score. And all of a sudden you put 12 seconds on them. And now they're thinking score every time they catch the basketball. All of a sudden our offense was so much better because they had a time, you know, time constraint because we made, we forced them to be aggressive when they caught the basketball. So we're always trying to harp on our guys. You know, you always have to be a threat to score. If you're five out, even four out, but if you're spacing the floor properly, it is so hard to defend because you're worried about everybody on the floor. Um, another big thing is creating an advantage. So you're trying to, you're trying to draw two. You can draw two with the basketball. You can draw two without the basketball. There's been plenty of times this year we even opened three because we have a 45 cut and the 45 cut draws two defenders. Now our guy in the weeks has an open three because that player drew two. So we're always telling our guys, draw two, draw two, draw two. If you can get two guys to commit to you, you create an opportunity for someone to make a play. Mm-hmm. Um, we're big on hunting the paint in like deep, deep paint touches, like past the free throw line, almost under the rim. Like we're really hunting the deep paint touches because we feel the deeper you get in the paint, the more deep the defense collapse. Um, and when we get our spray out threes, it's a lot of a higher advantage because it's such a deep paint touch kick out three that they can't get there in time, but it's more open. Um, obviously space is very important and then finishing cuts would be the next big thing. Um, then talked about, you said some rules instead of different things. So when we get, you know, we get our first advantage, you know, we have a rule of no back-to-back drives. We feel you drive, you break the paint, you kick the ball out. The defense is rotated to the basketball. So if I can't score it, I need to move it and allow the defense against a chance to have to get back in a rotation again. But if you drive back-to-back, we just feel there's not a good enough advantage on that second back-to-back drive unless you have a wide open dunk. Um, we like to talk about, if we don't have an advantage utilizing our action man or a trigger man. So that's typically our five. Um, and if we're kind of getting stagnant on offense, it's his job, his responsibility to start creating action for us. So he can do many things. He can flash uh, to catch the ball. We play some split game stuff. He can go set a ball screen or he can set an off the ball screen, but all three options give us a chance to create an advantage somewhere within our offense. So when we're stagnant, we really rely on our trigger man or action man to make something happen for us. And he knows that's his role on the team. And then another big one, because you are five out spacing, things different happen. You know, if we have three on a side, we cut the 45. And that 45 cut can be very dangerous 
um, if run properly and, and the proper spacing. But we, you know, some teams will panic. We got too many guys on one side. That's fine. Like, if you have three on the side, that's 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 okay. We'll cut the forty-five, which is typically that middle guy. Um, and then the timing of when you make that cut it can be very beneficial to your offense. Yeah, and um, I guess do you guys have a shot clock uh, in Arizona. Next, next year, I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually getting it next year as well. I actually wish we were using it more this year, but a lot of regions, only the bigger regions are using it, Kyle, because they're preparing their kids for the next level. But there's mm -hmm. a lot like we're we're in we're in five A and there's seven there's seven classifications. Uh, we're not using it and. Um, it's going to take a while to get us prepared. How do you, how do you get your offense kind of centered towards a, um, a shot clock? It's going to be a lot different. It is. It's funny. You mentioned that we've talked about that a lot this year, this, the style of play, we like to play pretty fast, uh, but our style of play is already kind of preparing us for the shot clock next year, because as we run down the floor, we don't transition. We have an early offense and we don't have anything out of there. We get into our, you know, our quick game stuff. I think the only thing we have to really add is you know under 10 you know yeah. what are we gonna what are we gonna do in a late clock situation but for us that won't be much of an adjustment because we're so comfortable in so many different concepts that it is we, we just really really like this concept and we're gonna run that the last 10 seconds if we get stuck in the shot clock yeah absolutely i definitely want to see hopefully you have some video of this coach hopefully we can kind of see some of your actions uh hopefully a little bit but um are you do you have a favorite action that you guys like because ours is a screen away um, and we're, we're just, that's the basic action right now. But, um, I was really studying what they call the zoom action today a little bit. And I really like it where it's a down screen into a dribble handoff. Um, I really like that where you can get basically three players on one side of the court with a little dribble, uh, little dribble penetration action and so forth. Uh, but tell us what you guys do best. I think we're, I mean, as simple as this, we're really good at setting drag screens. I mean, we do a great job of just finding guys early and we, we smack dudes. Like it's, it's been every game. Someone's complaining about us setting a legal screen because we just do such a great job of sprinting and just finding dudes and, and, and laying, laying the lumber on them really. Uh, but it's hard to guard in transition. It's really, really hard to guard. So we'll, we try to really set that up at the 10 foot line or the volleyball line. Mm -hmm. And we just, we feel we create a great advantage out of that. Um, you know, other than drags, you know, I think we do a good job in our delay, which I can go through. Uh, but like you said, I really like um, a little quick screen where we're just kind of a single screen away, and there's 10,000 reads out of that as well. But I can kind of take you through your progressions if you want. Maybe that'll, that'll kind of – I would love that. Uh, I would love that. Yes. Okay. So for us, you know, we want to we want to go drag early. So we can we – can, we can, they're picking us up early. We're going to set the ball high. So you can see here – I'm going to get rid of the, uh, the names here. But um, – we're trying to set that screen way above the three-point line. And I think it's important for us to set up, up high because when you set the ball up high, we'll watch the game here. Um, it puts a lot of stress on the defense, you know? So if you watch, you know, the screen's being set up by the logo right here. And so what's going to do is put that big in a tough spot because now you have a point guard. Yes, it's Dame Lillard, but even for us, our point guard's coming full speed downhill at a big guy who's flat-footed. You know, we're going to win that battle. He's either going to have to foul us or someone's going to have to help and we get a wide-open kick-out three. So – the location of it's very important. And then also setting it in transition, not walking the ball up the floor. We need to come up with some pace um, and really get to our spots, you know, as we attack off that off that that screen. So you can see Dame gets downhill versus the flat-footed big. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't even stand a chance. So we're big on drag screens. We're trying, trying to run that too. So you'll see here's another clip of Phoenix. Um, Karen Payne does a good job of just having some change of pace. But you can see, um, you know, he's already coming off the drag screen. And if you look, right, they've had the ball four seconds, right? They've only had the ball for four seconds right here. There's still a 20 left on the shot clock. And he's already coming down off action. So that's hard to guard, right? Teams are trying to match up, figure out who I have. I'm protecting the rim. You know, especially at the high school level, it's extremely hard to do. It's extremely hard to guard those in, in transition. He does a nice job of, of having change of pace. You know, the big has his hands down, so he goes up with the basketball. But again, just it's as, as simple as it is, drag screens are very effective. So that's the first thing that we teach is, if we can, if we're getting picked up early, we're gonna go. We're gonna go set a drag screen. Right. Um, out of drag screens, there's just some different options we could talk about. Um, say, for instance, you know, a team likes to play drop coverage, but they're always sitting guys way back. What we'll do is uh, we'll set that drag screen here, and then we'll actually go set a pin down for the corner man there. What actually ends up happening is this this little second dive ends up being wide open. 
Right. Um, he's, he's up open more, more often than you would think because, you know, the X5, if you think about it, he's in the paint. Well, <clears throat> he set a screen. He's still trying to guard the ball. Maybe we hit the, hit the shake. Maybe he's stunting here. But that five man's open on that second, second dive because they're just not used to having to guard that type of situation. Um, so that's one little, one little thing that we'll do there. Uh, what that kind of looks like on film here. Now, this is kind of a slower pace, but he'll go set that, that the drag screen. And then you have that empty side action right there where, you know. He... Coaches, this is Coach Matt Dennis, and I'm truly excited and blessed to join Coach Furtado on the Championship Vision Podcast. If you're a coach looking to get better at your craft, you're really going to love this episode. If you'd like more great coaching content, I encourage you to check out other episodes on the podcast, as well as to head over to CoachMattDennis.com, where you can join my newsletter and sign up for a free trial of the coaching lab, where my goal is to help coaches find more success in less time. Hi, this is Matt from Court Cart. The Court Cart is a great way to store your basketballs and is handy at practice. You can lock up 24 men's or 30 women's basketballs with our zippered top. The cart is sturdy and easy to go around the court. The cart is $269 with free shipping. The court board is a whiteboard that attaches to the cart so you can draw plays up on the court. The Court Cart Court Board Package is $5.28 with free shipping. You can find out more information on courtcart.com. That's basically a great play, but you created a two-on-one advantage, right? And it's still a drag screen. So now it's a different drag screen. And so maybe we set a drag screen. Maybe we set a drag, let me call this a drag quick screen. Maybe we, you know, if you go under, we rescreen you. You know, maybe we slip one out. We, you know, we've had a lot of times where we're coming down the floor and he's going to set a screen right here and then just slip to the basket. And we've had wide open layups um, just because they're so worried about that drag screen. And so we just mix it up. We'll slip it, we'll hit them, we'll rescreen, we'll set a drag quick. So something as simple as a drag screen, now all of a sudden has so many different layers to it. And it's really hard for the defensive guard, even though it's a very simple, basic concept for us to run on offense. Kyle, you don't mind me just this interjecting really quick. Uh, are you not in your transition I'm assuming you're not running anybody to the rim. You're more running almost a two-sided break. Is that correct? I'm a hardcore anti-rim runner guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, my, my personal belief is, um, you know, if you're a rim runner guy, you know, I am expecting you to track how many rim running points you get a game. Right. And that number better be above 10. Because if it's not above 10, then you're wasting your time. I feel we get so much more opportunity by not running to the rim um, creating an early advantage for our offense. So we still get, we're still getting 12 points in transition a game because we can kick ahead. There's nobody in the rim to protect us, right? We're, we're staying spaced out. And then something as simple as, as a pitch ahead, right? And then he attacks and we kick and one more, you know, that doesn't happen. This guy's sitting down here working his triangle, clogging everything up. So I'm a big anti-rim run guy. I'd rather him just kind of trail back. And for our big, that's either, you know, we're going to come, set a drag screen here. We can go set a pin down here. We can throw it to him and play through the trail. But again, the, at the end of the day, this paint is wide open for anybody, anytime to cut or attack with the basketball. And I just feel like that those are scoring opportunities for us. You know, we may make a great cut, but then if our five man's down here, this defender takes away that scoring opportunity. So for us, um, I just don't see the benefit in rim running where that I'm just getting 15 to 20 points a game because they're just running our big to the rim every single time. So yeah. What if you had like a six six, six seven kid? I guess you would adapt, maybe, or it's all based on personnel, right, Kyle? Personnel, but sure. If if I mean, if, if obviously, if my kid it doesn't have to be six six, he could be six one. But if if yeah. I have a wide open lane to the basket that just there's just nobody there, you know, sure, run it. But otherwise, I'm not running it. So even if you have a six six dude, right, and you have you know, you want to give him a post touch, that's fine. Like you can be five out and get him a post touch. But I think it's more effective to get him a post touch out of a five out option, like say like as a wedge action versus him sitting down here working this triangle and he's getting front and three quarter front. There's a lob help. There's all this other stuff going on just to get him the dang basketball. I'd rather keep him up top. We'll dribble to the side here and then we'll just sprint this guy up to the little back screen, throw him to the post and give him, get a, a nice little post look that way. I just feel it's, it's, it gives our guys a better chance to score than worrying about, am I being fronted? Is there a lot of help behind me? Where's an exhortation coming from? Like we can just screen them into the post, get them the basketball and then let them go to work. Yeah. We don't get anything from our rim runs. That's why I started out really looking at the two sided break this year, because, you know, we got a lot of guards um, and um, 
man, we're not getting anything out of it. So you're really, hey, you're, you're, you're validating what I'm thinking as well, but it's hard <laughs> to change like during the year, but hey, I'm willing to adjust because we're not getting anything from Red Yeah. Rivers. Well, I made sure my head coach stopped doing that day one. So. <laughs> That's cool. Hey, um, we, you know, of course, in our five out, um, where our girls have difficulty is um, sometimes we stop our cuts. You mentioned that concept. Um, I would like to see us cut harder to the rim. We're constantly drilling that, but it, it's just not there yet. How do you teach your kids really to cut hard? Almost like a hard Princeton cut. Yeah, we, we uh, honestly, we, we, we pre preach it and teach it every single day. There's not a there's not a practice that goes by we're not screaming like kids to 45 cut or back cut or anything. We're constantly up them um, to cut hard and 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 our rule is you got to fill fill opposite. So there's no stopping. Once you cut, you got to go and then you fill opposite. Um, but we I mean it's something we literally teach and preach every single day. So you're not alone in that. Um, and and if you know it, it looks great in practice and games come along and same thing on the bench we're screaming 45 cut. 45 cut the dude's denying you back cut like we're we're always yelling those things in practice too so you're not alone in that in that adventure of getting guys to cut but once they get a couple nice little buckets they feel success with it it definitely happens a lot more once they see see the ball go in and they get us they see an actual positive you know reinforcement from them cutting Kyle give give the actions that you guys are scoring more stuff I, I don't know how many games you guys have played so far but what are the actions that you guys uh, score mo uh, most at and I know you got a statistic for that too. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty effective in drag. Um, I would say our next one we like is our 21 action. So that's where we're kind of passing the ball ahead um, and chasing. So if we advance the ball, we're chasing right away. Um, obviously this has not happened in our game yet, but maybe we find a team that just doesn't guard us and we can just catch it and go. Um, okay. But a lot of reads we'll do, we'll just, we just make different reads. So we can pass and chase, so we can pass it ahead, get it back. And then we're still getting this empty side ball screen. That's what I like out of it is, you know, we pass it ahead, we throw it back to them, and then we get a nice empty side ball screen kind of at the hip logo area. And that's really hard because there's no tag man, right? And again, we're still doing this out of our, our secondary breaker and transition. We've had the ball four seconds and they've already had to guard a handoff right into a uh, empty side ball screen. And then we have our weak side, you know, interchange or down screen, what have you. But I feel like we really do a good job of maximizing our space right here um, at this 45 area where we get a lot of good looks in there. So some things we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll pass and chase it. We'll give it back to the guy. Um, if it's not there, we can keep it. And same rule applies. We'll kick it ahead and then he'll chase it. If he's not there, you know, our five man, our trigger man doesn't change. He's, he's like the middle linebacker, find the ball, hit the ball. So I find the ball, hit the ball on a drag. We pitch it ahead. And I'm just hitting somebody else. I'm just finding the ball and hitting the ball. Um, and again, it's different, right? So the first time I gave it to him, second time I keep it. Same thing. We have that empty side ball screen. You know, there's a chance to tag, but it's really difficult to tag because we're in transition. I discarded my guy sprinting to the corner and they're already in a pick and roll. So if I am going to tag, it's going to be late. Um, we've had some great opportunities out of this pick and roll. We do a nice job of, we do a really good job of hitting our, our lift man. So we'll throw it back over the top and then we'll throw it back into the post and we get a great look out of there because a lot of teams, at least out here in Arizona, will switch. Um, and so we end up getting the little guy on the big. So we just hit the lift man, throw it right in. Um, and then he's able to get a pretty quick bucket there. Another, another wrinkle out of it too, <clears throat> excuse me, that we like is, so the first three ran on the outside, right? So maybe this time they're taking away the outside or what have you, we'll just come on the inside. So if I come on the inside, okay, same thing doesn't change. We go on the inside, but now we can come off a double stagger. So we can come off the double stagger screen. So you're gonna roll our five, pop our one. But again, we're still interchanging a downstream on the weak side. So out of our 21 action, we've had three different looks and it's all read-based, right? Like we've had, it's not a call. We pass it ahead, okay? We pass it, we're in 21. We can hand it back, we can keep it, we can go on the inside. All different just reads and again, it, it, it keeps it kind of random throughout the game and it makes it harder to defend, harder to scout because again, you can't just say, well, if they pitch it ahead, here's what they're doing. Well, you don't know. We might go outside, we might go inside. We might give it to them, we might keep it. You know, and obviously we have some ATOs here run out of this stuff too to really mix it up. Um, but for us, we've had a lot of, lot of uh, success out of our 21 stuff right here. Yeah, and basically it's almost, really you can almost call it with your five being really a designated screener, it's almost a four out in a way, right? Conceptually? Well, Conceptually, yeah. I mean, we don't want him going inside, sure. But yeah, once he dives, right, he goes, he will empty out to the dunker spot and he'll, he can work his way back out to the perimeter from there, but absolutely. 
it, it now um, obviously you don't reset. Um, so how do you go from action to action? What happens? You're playing against a really good de defensive team, taking away first action, second action. What do you guys do? Uh, we just give them the ball. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, no, what we so that's what we kind of, I kind of talked about earlier. If we get kind of stuck, we kind of get stagnant. Now we really we really rely on our our trigger man, our five man. So, for instance. Some things that he can do. Let's say we are in our five-out space, and we're pretending our two is actually in the corner right now. But if we're stuck, he can go screen away. He can set a ball screen. If he was down in the dunker spot, he can flash it to the nail. Flash to the nail. We're going to hit here, and then we have different things we do out of that. But we would really rely on our trigger man to go make something happen for him. You know, we can go set a screen for the four. He can curl. That's not there. He flashes it back to the basketball. We hit here. We pass and chase. We can keep it and continue action with the next player. We just find different ways to continue action. That's something we worked on a lot this summer was just continuing action. So we'd, we'd give them a designated action. We're going to run drag screen. And the defense takes it away. Well, now what do you guys do? Right? Well, you got to do something. You got to figure it out. So we do a lot of that kind of stuff in practice where it's small side of games, three on three or two on two or four on four. Um, and we make the defense take away that first option and teach our guys, okay, we're stuck. What are my options? I can screen away. I can flash. I can do A, B, or C and get them to kind of build, work on that decision-making part of the of our offense as well. Because there's no, again, you're right, we get stuck, so what do we do? There's no, like, there's no straight answer for it. It is, you're a trigger man, go make something happen. Go play basketball. And it, it sounds crazy, like, we're not giving the direction, but really we are. Because depending on what decision he makes, starts the next, you know, chain of reactions of what we do within our offense. What are the teams that are, it's hardest to attack? Is it a pack line? Is it a total deny pressure? I'm sure you guys see it all out there. In Arizona. And I know there's some great <laughs> private schools out there in Arizona that, you know, produce some great players. What's the hardest defenses for you guys to attack in man-to-man? -man? Uh, we've struggled. We've struggled against all of it. And it just kind of depends on what we're doing. Like there's been teams who play pack line and we struggle because we're just, we don't shoot the basketball. Like you know, right. we talked about that always being a threat to score mentality where we played, you know, a pressure team where we just start to panic under the pressure and it has nothing to do with our offense. We just, sometimes we just don't handle the pressure well. Right. Um, but I just think it's the, the, the answer to both of those things, whether they're over or not, whether overplaying you or playing pack line, I think it's again, being that threat to score. As soon as you back cut somebody or you shoot that ball because you're open, it manipulates their defense. Cause now, Coach is pissed. You didn't close out hard enough, or you're you're not you know you didn't snap your head and take away the denial pass, what have you. But again, it's kind of being that aggressor and being that threat, uh, regardless if it's if it's a denial or pack line team. But again, if you lose that advantage to always be a threat, that's where you get in trouble. Yeah, it's about making shots. I mean, they always say the NBA is it's a shot making league. It's also in high school because I'll give you an example of my team that you know nobody plays us man to man anymore. It's packed zone. So I do want to kind of get your philosophy on how you attack zones. Um, and, uh, you know, we, you know, we shot 41 threes the other day, <laughs> but, um, and we work on three point shooting a lot, but I want to find ways to get that ball to attack the zone better. Uh, we can talk about that later, but um, you know, what do you do? It, ultimately it's about making shots, right? Kyle? It is. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how cool your offense looks. If you don't make shots, it looks like crap. So um, it, it's a tough part, right? And making sure you're spending time on shooting every day in practice. I know uh, my head coach, you know, who I played for, always tells me, hey, Diamond, you shooting enough today? I'm like, eh, probably not. He's like, you need to shoot more. It's always that balance. Like, okay, well, if you shoot more, it means we're sacrificing something else. And as, head, you know, as coaches, there's always so much you want to get in. Um, so shooting is, is so important. And, anybody knows the perfect balance, how to make it all work, I'm all ears. Absolutely. Hey, what are the breakdown? I love that you mentioned small-sided games. How do you guys teach this? So we do some different progression stuff. Um, so what I'll show you here is, all right. So come on. I think we're in a hole. Okay, here we go. So we'll do a lot of three-on-O stuff, and we'll, we'll build – um, as you're learning our concepts to more and more stuff. So a couple of different things we can do. Like one, we'll work on a very specific action, like I'm about to show you here, where we work on, we're working on our drag screens. We're working on hitting our lift into the post. And then we're going to work on <clears throat> um, driving and kicking and relocating all in one rep. So it's all different part pieces of our offense. 
but every guy gets a shot and we're also kind of learning within what we're supposed to do. So what that kind of goes through here, you'll see we'll set a drag screen and then we're dictating. You're gonna, we're gonna hit the lift man. We're gonna work on making a post pass, he scores. Now we play two on two, attack the closeout, drive and kick, and then relocate. So all three guys are getting a shot and it's different pieces of our offense. We worked on our drags, we worked on hitting our left, we worked on making a post entry, we worked on attacking a long closeout and finding the open player off a paint touch. So we worked on relocating if we make a paint touch and pass um, and everybody gets a shot. So that's kind of a one of the fun ways we like it. We'll, we will break that into different pieces. You know, we'll work on this and out of delay. We'll work on this out of 21. We'll work on this out of all the different ways. But again, it gives us a chance to get some quote unquote live reps with some little bit of a dummy defense, but getting game shots for everybody as well. Um, so that's one warm-up drill we like to do. Another warm-up drill we like to do is where we will go, uh, we'll, we'll go three on three again, but we'll start in a defensive rotation. We'll go down and our rule is, okay, we're gonna be in delay, but play random. So you can go make any read you want at delay and they kind of get to work on making decisions and building some team chemistry. Um, and again, everybody's getting a shot. So you'll see um, on the left side of the floor here, they're gonna start on defense. So we're gonna swing around the horn. We have to rotate, I don't know, help they'll recover, box out, go get it. And then they're getting, then this also builds kind of pace, right? We get the, the real flow of running, whether we're running right now, which is delay out of transition. It's not like start a half court and not have that real feel. This gives us that real feel. We just play defense, we rotate it, rebound, and off we go into our three on O stuff. So we'll build, you know, add some defense into there um, and to go down and play three on O that way. And again, everybody gets a shot. They're playing random, just out of the dictated action we're, we're talking about right now is delay. Um, and again, our guys just get a chance to kind of get a feel for what that looks like, what that feels like. And then once we kind of get the feel of that, <clears throat> we'll add one more layer to it. We'll go same starting where we'll work on our defense rotations. Um, <clears throat> and then from there, we'll go three on O, but then we're going to come back three on three. So we did discard a baseline drift. He's going to shoot it. They box out. They go down three on, three on O. No going to work. I think we're working on uh, looks like a delay here. Excuse me. Everybody gets a shot, and then they're going to come back three on three live. So they've had a chance to work on it three on zero. Now they're going to come back against the live defense. Same thing. They're coming down with pace, so they have that same feel and transition. We're playing three on three live. So again, it just it builds that that feel of just kind of progressing from okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, coach, kind of I kind of understand what coach is talking about. I can kind of see it. I'm getting shots out of it, and I get to kind of build it towards a um, live three on three setting. And then yeah. <clears throat> once you're done with the three on O stuff, we really tried to build towards, which I stole this from Cody. It's one of my favorite drills is a three, two, one drill. So now it's we'll play on three on three, right into two on two, right into one on one. The drill never stops. The rule is the guy who shoots it, the guy who's guarding the shooter, get off the floor as fast as possible because the next the, the play continues. So they'll start in a in a three-man action. And then they'll play live out of that. So again, the shooter defender will come off. Now they go live two on two. So if it's a big and a little, they'll go pick and roll. Okay, the big score. So him and him are off. Now they go one on one right there on the on the on the uh, the live catch. So it's it's cool. You get to practice three man actions, two man actions, and a one on one action. Which again, I'm a big believer. This makes our offense better, and it makes our defense better, um, all at the same time. Yeah, I love that. I, um, and I love the transition part. I think. I think sometimes we as coaches, we try to teach. There's a lot of coaches out there, don't you think, Kyle, that they do everything five on zero, five on five. Why do you do breakdown? Because I, I know there's a lot of like a guy like Chris Oliver believes, you know, doesn't really believe in breakdown as much as teaching uh, really five on five and teaching your concepts through that. Well, why do you guys do break things down a lot? Well, in reality, a lot of our stuff is either a three-man action or two-man action anyway. So – regardless of what we're running, whether it's 21 or delay or quicks or anything we're running, it's typically involves three players and you need two guys spacing the floor. So for us, we're focusing on that piece of it. We can really coach different reads out of that. Um, then we can gradually add in the two other players uh, for spacing and, and different purposes. But um, for, for us, just again, because 95% of our stuff is, you know, dictated out of three guys. Um, we really want to focus on that and that, and it gives them just a chance to kind of build through it, gets guys more reps um, everybody gets to play different positions and just kind of helps us make us um, overall better players at, at every spot. I love the transition part, whether that's 
going from defense to offense. I, I don't think we do enough of that when we're teaching breakdown. Um, but, um, you know, I, I really love the drills. I appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, I love the software, man. This is awesome stuff right here. <laughs> so I know a lot of coaches are going to be asking about a lot of my listeners. So, But this is great stuff, Kyle. Thank you. Hey, what, um, what do you think? Uh, how do you guys teach three-point shooting? I know uh, I'm just kind of adding that in. Is there a certain techniques or drills? Because I'm finding out what we do every day is our kids shoot 200 threes per practice. I know that's a lot, but we really believe in it. But sure. sometimes I wonder if we need tested <clears throat> threes. I know there's different beliefs on that. What's yours? I, I'm, I'm a big believer in it's, it's a healthy moderation, right? Like I, we do a lot of volume shooting drills. And at the same time, we do a lot of one rep drills. Uh, we'll mix in some different consistency shooting drills, but we, we shoot that the crap out of it. I mean, um, <laughs> as much as we can in practice because we, we want to shoot those in the game. But I do think it's, you can't sit there and just shoot, you know, hundred from the corner because it's not game-like. I think volume shooting is important to kind of build um, endurance and reps and some different confidence building things. But I also think you have to give guys one rep. So we'll, we'll break stuff down out of our offense where it will drive kick pass and you shoot that three, that's your one rep. That's all you get. You don't get a second one, you know, where if you're doing a volume shooting drill, you know, I know, I know I'm getting 10 more after this one. So if I screw up, whatever. Um, so it makes us really focus. You only get that one rep out of that. And then we'll do some different consistency drills where, you know, we'll put 90 seconds on the clock and you got to make two in a row from the spot to move on to the next one. So I, you know, I can't just foo foo around. I got to make sure I'm being consistent and making shots consistently because I can't move on to make two in a row and just put some more focus on that one specific rep and anything you can do to kind of put them in a pressure situation where, you know, against a live defense or even a dummy defense, mm -hmm. I think, excuse me, I think it's great. You know, um, a lot of guys that are really creative and really good at this stuff. You know, I don't know if I'm that creative when it comes to the, to the shooting different drills. Um, but there's some really good guys who are, who are great with, you know, Chris Oliver has a ton of them. Um, yeah. But, you know, if you guys, I, you know, I've shared a lot with you guys. You guys got some good shooting drills. Please, please share in my way. But I, I'm all for it. Yeah, I, uh, we do a lot of uh, Mike Neighbors uh, green light shooting drills mm -hmm. um, that are really excellent and so forth. Um I need to, hey, after going six for 41, I think I need some better drills. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, even Steph had a bad night last night, right? It happens to everybody. That's right. Hey, before you go on, um, hey, you, can you have some zone offensive stuff? You, can you show? I don't know if you have that here. Um, um, to be honest, our zone stuff's kind of boring. <laughs> um, I, I've, I love I've really tinkered around with the idea of trying to go five out for zone because you think about it, you know, five out's going to stretch the zone and so do some different things. Um, but our zone offense isn't isn't really anything special. Typical high-low stuff, right? You you X your, your high post, a short corner guy. Um, I'd say that the biggest things that I pull from our five out stuff into the zone is just, again, still hunting the paint, attacking gaps. But I think we can utilize the 45 cut a lot more from the weak side against the zone um, that we don't always take advantage of in, in our man-to-man. -man. Yeah. And I know zone is uh, we're not using the dribble enough against zone, making defenders make decisions. That's one mm -hmm. thing that we're working on right now. And we're just relying on the We're coming to three point happy. And that's something that we're actually going to start working on more tomorrow. Uh, any, any uh, ideas you can help us out against the zone? Yeah, shoot 35% or better from three, they'll get out of it pretty quick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I, I do think it's important, just like, you know, our, one of our main, you know, philosophies and man is, you know, get two to guard one, right? If we can get two guys to guard one with or without the basketball, we've done our job. We, we create an advantage. I think that same advantage applies to zone. I think two things happen. Either we fall in love with the three or we fall in love with, like, just swinging the ball around the perimeter. Well, we're making the defense go side to side. Well, we're not really at the zone. So we really harp on our guys as far as getting to the paint, attacking off, off a reversal. We call that a stampede where you catch, kind of run through the catch and, and on the go. Um, so if you could really stampede reversal catches, I think that puts a lot of pressure on the defense. Um, and then definitely when they're rotating, you know, cutting from the, from the backside and weak side. Yeah, I love that. Um, hey, before you go, do you have any uh, good, you know, maybe some game video clips uh, that uh, we can see before you go? I don't have any game clips. I just have a lot of practice stuff on there. I keep, I keep the game clips uh, private for us until after the season. I love it. I love it. Um, Kyle, man, this is great stuff, man. I really appreciate it. Um, anything, anything that maybe we missed that 
you might want to add about the five out concepts? Sure. I, th I think it's important to know your rules, like okay. what, what your rules are for each thing. So for example, like for us, right, if we're setting, you know, an off ball screen or whatever, like I know my reads as a guy coming off the screener, I'm the cutter. My rules are either back cut it, short curl it, long curl it. Like those are my three reads. So now it doesn't matter if we set a single screen, a floppy screen, a double stagger screen. Those are my three reads, regardless of what's happening. And so it just helps keep some consistency and allows us to run a bunch of different actions that we want to run because the reads are the exact same. Exactly. The same thing, if I, if I come off a pin down, you know, my reads are, I score it, I screen it, I zoom it, or I split it. doesn't matter what screen you come off of. If I came off a screen, my first look is just scored. If I can't score it, then I'm going to screen it. If we can't screen it, we're going to zoom it or split it. And that just doesn't, that doesn't change on the action because I'm coming off that quote unquote screen. So we have some different rules like that that allows us to have a lot of flexibility, especially within our ATOs, to do some cool different fun things because no matter what we draw up, our reads don't change. Whether It doesn't matter if it's a horn set or stagger or whatever, it's the same reads no matter what we draw up. So it helps build some consistency with it um, and allows, it gives us coaches flexibility kind of, if we see want to take advantage of something in a game, we can do that because we can draw whatever we want up knowing our guy's gonna make those reads. Yeah, talk about, uh, you mentioned Zoom. Talk about, you have, can you show us that a little bit with Zoom? Sure, my Zoom's a little different than yours. I think yours is more what I would call like dribble or pistol, but for my Zoom, it's pretty much passing, chasing with the big. So for us here, pretty much, Denver does this a lot with with uh, Murray and Jokic, but pretty much if I pass it to my big, I'm just gonna chase it. Um, and then, then out of our, that chase, you know, there's different reads I can make. So I could um, hand it back. And then if I hand it back, they go under, I rescreen it. I can turn the corner with it. I can spray it. Um, you know, we, we can, if it's, if he's not open, we can, we can keep it, you know, and go to the next player. We can keep it and turn the corner. So for instance, like for us, it could, a zoom is passing and chasing with their big. So like our big, like the, the handler, the guy with the basketball, you know, he can give it, fake it or keep it. You know, our guys coming off of it, you know, I can, I can turn it, I can spray it, I can back cut it, whatever. So we, again, the same different reads out of Zoom that we would have out of, out of our off-ball screen, we have those same reads. So we can, again, we can put guys in situations where flash them, pass and chase, and then we just play basketball based on what we, we taught our guys to do. Yeah, I love the pass and chase. I, I have not used that, that action before. I find that really interesting because I just, I don't want to bring uh, my defender into another defender. Do you, so how do you teach that? I mean, we, we try to kind of space a little bit. Yep. So what I, what, I mean, I don't know how it is with you guys, but I feel it even happens at the NBA level. Like as soon as this pass is made, you know, most guys ball watch, right? They turn their head and they ball watch. So for us, it's like, okay, I make this pass. It's an immediate cut. So, and yeah, it depends what the defense gives us. If the defense is on our inside, right? And you ball watch it, we might just cut right to the basket. Um, you know, if the defense is not on the inside and he's, you know, pushed us on the outside, then we can come over the top or we get the pass and, you know, he goes underneath it or whatever, then we can just turn around and rescreen it. Or if our big doesn't like it, it's just too jumbled up. He can just, you know, just keep the ball up high and we can we finish our cut. We'd cut through and then the next, <clears throat> next player would come through as we continue our action. So the next guy comes up, we play the same thing there. Um, but we, we pass and chase both ways. We'll pass and chase guard to big. And if we go guard to big like this, which we call Zoom, you know, we have our different reads. But at the same time, we love pass and chase big to little, especially on an empty side like right here. Like you see here, if two came up, we tell our five, like depending on your personnel, some, some of our fives like to DHO it, but we really tell our fives to like, go pass and chase that thing. Because when we pass and chase, especially on an empty side, it gives us some different opportunities. We can slip it. We can screen it. We can flip the screen. There's a ton of different things out of there. And again, it's hard, right, because I'm passing and chasing. Um, I think it gives it puts the, the the screeners defender in a tough spot to be able to, to do the defensive coverage his coach wants him to do effectively. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, I, I got to tell you, I picked up. I, I love this. First of all, I love Lucio, and I love kind of the detail action you can see out of this, along with the video. Um, this is great stuff, Kyle. I really appreciate you you sharing with us, taking the time out. Any mm. uh, any final concepts you can help us? Um, a coach that's maybe interested, maybe a coach that's maybe in a four out, using a lot of four out, why would he want to change to a five out? You've already mentioned it, but what are some final final ideas you can share with us about that? I think you would love how open the paint is. Um, you'd, you'd be surprised how many opportunities you get because there's nobody down there clogging it all up. Mm -hmm. um, 
at the same time, be patient. It's going to take time, just like excuse me, just like anything else does. Um, but it's worth the wait, right? Not that worthwhile is ever easy, but um, I will never go back to a pattern offense. I'm five out conceptual for the rest of my life until I find something better. <laughs> but um, it, was, it was worth the wait. It's a lot of time. We spend we spend a ton of time watching film. I mean, a ton of time teaching concepts and watching film, different things. But it's so worth it because our guys go out there and just just play basketball, and it's fun to watch them learn and grow. Um, but you got to put the time in with it. I mean, like I said, we watch a ton of film in practice. Kyle, help me out. I, I love how you have NBA actions um, for high school coaches. What's the best way we can find NBA or college level clips? Um, I'm very lucky that I have a Synergy account. <laughs> um, but, you know, screen record, like my head coach doesn't have that. And he's always watching, he, you know, he's got YouTube TV and he'll send me phone recordings. He'll just record stuff on his phone. Um, that's nice thing with Lucio. You can have any sort of video file on here. So you can record on your phone and upload it. I love using NBA clips because I just feel um, the spacing is elite um, and you have the best athletes. So I think when you're thinking of teaching, it's a great usage to teach because it's clean. Um, the spacing is correct. And typically you're watching guys make, you know, real basketball reads in real time versus, you know, getting stuck or hung up on different things. So I just, as a teaching tool, I think the NBA game is just so great for that piece of it. Yeah. I love that. Hey, um, Hey, I want you to kind of share with us your website, 94 feet. Um, also how can we, uh, not only get a hold of you, but how can we contact Lucio if we're interested uh, in getting set up with them? Please, please share with us. Yeah, so um, my social media has all my stuff. So it's, it's at Coach Dimes. Um, so if you want to, on Twitter is where I'm kind of active the most. So you've at Coach Dimes, my personal one. We're at 94 feet hoops with a Z because S was taken. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the 94 feet stuff, we just, just try and share and content and and, you know, I have a little newsletter we, we give out, like a play of the week and drill of the week and video of the week and all that kind of stuff, too. So if you ever want part of that, just reach out. I'll, we'll throw you on there. And, um, as far as Lucio is concerned, just go to luciosports.com. There should be a contact us page. Uh, but, you know, if you had if you wanted to get up and going on that, mine's easy. It's just Kyle at luciosports.com. Um, we'll make sure you get taken care of. But again, it, it's a game changer for us. Yeah, absolutely. And. Tell us about your team really quick on how you guys are doing and um, uh, what's your what's your goals for the season? Yeah, we're so we're we're six a high school here in Arizona. Um, you know, we're just trying to stay healthy right now. We had a kid break his hand last week. You know, a kid was strep this week. We had another kid get sick. We're just <laughs> trying to stay healthy. Um, but I think we're you know we're we're a solid team. You know, we we expect ourselves to be a six a playoff team this year. Um, as long as we can stay healthy, I think we you know. We're, we're a team you don't want to see on any given night. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, thank you so much for joining. You're now part of the uh, Championship Vision Podcast family, so welcome. Um, and we really appreciate, uh, appreciate you sharing the knowledge, man. It was That's great stuff. And I know a lot of people, a lot of coaches that are good friends of mine, they're going to be contacting you. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. If you guys have questions, feel free to reach out. I'd love to share. I don't claim to know it all, but we'll figure it out together. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Take care, man. Have a great night out there. Thank you, too. Thank you. Coaches, I'd like to welcome our new Championship Vision podcast sponsor, Huddle Assist. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stance like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. Huddle will also be at the Legends at the Grove Clinic on September 12th at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. Come stop by our table to chat and see what we have to offer.
At Dr. Dish Basketball, we're creating basketball shooting machines that accelerate player performance. With features like on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics, Dr. Dish Basketball is the number one source for basketball training. Whether you're training in your driveway, running a practice, or developing a workout program, we have the most innovative training solutions to help your players practice like they play. And just for listening to this podcast, you qualify for an exclusive discount. Just mention Championship Vision Podcast to your sales rep when you call in. For more information, visit drdishbasketball.com or call 952-873-2633. Again, that number is 952-873-2633. And remember, be better every day. Dr. Dish Basketball's Virtual Camp 2.0 is now live. Our camp features drills and workouts from pro players, coaches, and trainers like Byron Scott, Quincy Pondexter, and four-time WNBA champ Lindsey Whalen. And though we're known for our shooting machines, the camp also features ball handling, agility, and conditioning drills to help athletes of all ages round out their game. A shooting machine is not required for this camp, but if you own or have access to a Dr. Dish CT or Dr. Dish home, you can follow along with our pre-built program and track your progress and your stats. Sign up today to gain access to the Virtual Camp 2.0 featured drills and workouts by visiting drdishbasketball.com slash virtualcamp2021. That's drdishbasketball.com slash virtual-camp-2021.